Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Listening, hear me. I may not pass this way again. Hello and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast, the podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. This episode of the podcast features a conversation with singer-songwriter Iona Lane. You can find out more about Iona on her website, ionalane.com. Before we get to the conversation, I'd just like to play you a bit of this. It's a brand new song called Pass the Day, which is available now on my website, robertlanemusic.co.uk, and will be released on all of the streaming platforms on the 31st of March. It would be fantastic if you could rate, review and subscribe to the podcast as doing that helps more people to discover it in the future. It would also be lovely if you could share it on social media and just let anyone who you think would be interested know about the podcast. Thank you. Here's my conversation with Iona Lane. No relation, by the way. Hi, Iona. How are you? Hi, I'm very well. How are you keeping? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. It's been a, it's been a little while since we've seen each other. The world is a slightly different place. Yes, very ways. much so. But then everything <laughs> changes, everything remains the same. You're making lots of lovely music and you're heading towards a new album release. Yeah, so I'm um, releasing my debut album on the 25th of March, which at one point in time felt like a very long time away and now it's very, very close. Oh yeah, there's never enough time, is there? However long it takes, actually when it comes to it and you're a few weeks away, it's like, oh God, there's so much to do. Yeah, I remember in, in January, like, it's fine. It's, you know, two two and a bit months away. And then February just goes so quickly. Um, and now we're into March. And, yeah, I'm very excited to have it out, though, because I've been sat on a lot of the material for quite a while. And, um, yeah, just excited to send it out into the world. Well, tell me about that then. How long ago was the stuff recorded? Yeah, so we recorded April 2021. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Get my years in the right order. Um, yeah, so quite a while ago now, really. Um, but yeah, a group of us went up to Watercolour Music, which is just outside of Fort William up in Scotland. Um, it's a beautiful studio there that like looks over Ben Nevis and Loch Linney. And it's just, yeah, absolutely stunning. And we spent a week up there um, basically on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> 
um and we like coincidentally recorded the album at the same time or that's what that's what it felt like it was such a nice like um we're off on like a family holiday kind of feeling um and yeah i think the album sounds all the better for it well that's great that's really cool so tell me then had you been to the studio before or was this your first ever trip there no so i hadn't been before this is my first time at watercolor um but yeah, the the producer that I used, Andy Bell, he we were sort of chatting a bit about what kind of studio I was looking for and um what kind of space we wanted for the project and he sort of recommended watercolour. Um yeah, and I took his word for it and it was definitely the right thing to do. <laughs> oh, that's cool. So Andy works then in different studios depending on the project. Yeah, Andy's been in sort of quite a lot of studios around the country and stuff. So um yeah, he sort of recommended watercolor because I definitely wanted something remote um something pretty rural um where we could sort of disappear from the world for a week or so and just you know be completely submerged in the music and the landscape and yeah yeah it was great I I have such fond memories when I look back it just makes me smile well that's very cool and that from what I've heard of the album and read about it that really sort of reflects the sort of pastoral feel of the the whole thing as a project really which I guess is what you designed but that's a really cool way of doing it how is it working then were you keeping like office hours when you were recording and then evenings was holiday time what was the what was yeah the it's sort of um it was all really chill actually we tended to sort of get up eight nine o'clock and then start recording around ten half ten um and then you know we'd break for we'd because we tracked a lot of it live mm-hmm. um but sort of in isolation, um, we'd sort of we might sort of track the first like a song in the morning or a couple of songs in the morning, and then take a break for lunch, and then um, come back and work. We sort of we never really worked super late. We just worked until it was like okay, like this feels like the right point to stop, and we can chill out and hang out and mm. drink wine. And um, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty relaxed. Um, yeah. No sort of silly hours, but just really nice. Cool. And then from that, I take it then that the songs were pretty much there beforehand. They're like fully rehearsed performances and you were you were catching those performances. Yeah. So I think because of we had sort of various time constraints while we were in the studio, um, we were there recording for five days. Mm-hmm. And ideally... Um, when we were sort of looking into booking it, I'd have quite liked to have had a couple of extra days. Yeah. Um, so we, I was sort of very aware going into the studio that, you know, we have limited time to do 11 tracks in five days, including, you know, the setup and pack down of the studio and that kind of thing. And then, yeah, we'd, we'd sort of demoed stuff remotely um, before then. So I have loads of like demos, which now just sounds so funny compared to the album recordings. Um, that yeah, we sort of recorded during the lockdowns. Um, oh, cool. Sort of each of the musicians did it um, separately, but I mean, we've been I've been playing with um, my band for a couple of years now, so things are generally pretty tight, and we we sort of had quite an intensive rehearsal schedule up to going into the studio. Because mm-hmm. um, I was just yeah, I was just aware that I didn't want to. I didn't want to be under rehearsed when we got there, um, but it also still needed needed to have like a certain amount of organic feel to it, and it it not to feel too over rehearsed. So it was quite a fine balance, I think. But mm. I'm very happy with how it turned out. 
Cool. Could you tell us a little bit about the remote demoing then? So how did that work? Was it people were adding bits and sending them back to each other or were you literally on Zoom chatting about what you were going to be doing? Yeah, so we'd re- before we sort of went into various lock we'd had sort of rehearsals in between lockdowns and that kind of stuff and got together in a room mm-hmm. which was great and um, I, mean, I can't really remember which lockdown it was that we ended up doing the recording but everyone has um a certain amount of you know everyone's got at least one microphone which is great um so a lot of the parts were pretty much there and then um people would just record them and send them over and we'd sort of start getting like the layers in and then it'd allow sort of myself to build like BV parts and mm. um, Mia, my violinist, she sort of built loads of extra fiddle parts mm-hmm. um, with the idea that we probably wouldn't use them in the, or use all of them in the album, but they're there and they're like written just in case it's like, okay, we should have another part here. Uh-huh. You know, it's sort of quite a lot of the creative process in terms of actual writing parts was sort of already done. And then how how close did you stick to that then in the final recordings? Did Was there room for stuff to change? Yeah, definitely. I think because we did that within our sort of little team and then when we, when we got to the studio, um, I mean, Andy had all the demos before we got there, but mm-hmm. when we got to the studio, there were things that Andy was like, oh, I think we should change this or this is a bit... Too, there was one track that was like... Um, Fingal and Bran that was like particularly slow on the demo and Andy was like we need to speed this up and just like yeah it was really interesting getting like an external person's Mm -hmm. ears on it to just be like okay yeah let's change this 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 this." and yeah it's all the better for it all the better for it. Do you find that easy or is that a challenge sometimes if you're if you have a fairly set idea of how you're doing things because you've lived with these songs for a long time and then somebody wants you to change something, like quite a fundamental thing like the tempo, can that be a bit of a challenge to adapt to or is it not too bad? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I think I I basically put all my faith in Andy Bell uh-huh. and I was like, he knows what he's doing. I'm going to, you know, sort of let, sort of relinquish control a bit of this and trust his sort of producer instinct um particularly he was very good at like looking the whole at the whole album as like a as like a package basically um whereas I don't think I'd necessarily looked at it as a whole thing before Mm -hmm. I sort of I was still looking at as like oh I want this track to sound like this and this track to sound like this and he was sort of bringing in like the overarching like the overarching um I guess like themes yeah like and a uh, feel as well, sort of a, a sonic feel of it, which which is a, I guess, comes from if you are doing it for five days with the same group of people in the same room, then that lends itself to that a little bit as well, as opposed to sometimes. Um, certainly, I've recorded albums over months, sometimes in more than one studio with a different group of people, and that brings its own uh, charm to something. I think, but it is, I guess, a little bit more difficult then to have that through line if you're not thinking about it. I suppose. Yeah, I think so. If the songs were being recorded sort of 12 months ago, how old were the songs before that? Were they stuff that, I mean, obviously you said you've been working on them. From your point of view of the actual original composition of those songs, how far back were you going? Um, Gosh, I mean, some of them were really fresh. Um, So Shahalian um, in particular came sort of very late. So that's the second single. Mm -hmm. Um, That one came very late and... um, I think which else 
Tip Hop Burn was reasonably new. May You Find Time. So like they sort of filtered out during lockdown. Um, and then I guess the oldest is probably it's probably now four years old. Mm. Um, which is kind of really strange. But I quite like the fact that I have um, songs that are like a little bit older that I'm still like, yeah, I'd quite like to put this out. I have a lot of songs that are a bit older that I'm like, let's not go near that. But it's quite nice that I still have, I still feel the need to play that and have that attachment. That's great. And then were all of the songs that were in contention, did they all end up on the album or were there some that didn't quite make it for various reasons? Yeah, so there were about 15 demos. Um, So four of them didn't make it, Um, which is fair enough. I they were sort of I think yeah they were pretty new the ones that didn't mm. make it and there were sort of lots of things that needed ironing out or I was going for something with them that maybe didn't fit within the sort of sonic sound of this album mm-hmm. um so you know they might reappear or you know we'll see yeah. we'll see what happens I need to look back at them <laughs> and how yeah this is the other thing as well now that you're in this period of um promoting this album and you're going to be touring this album as well how does that work for you is there space for new music in your head now or do you need to just concentrate on this project until this bit of it is put to bed yeah it's a, it's an interesting one i've been chatting to some f- sort of friends about who are also musicians about this and um i think for me i found it really difficult i have found it really difficult since since you know this sort of getting the PR and the promotion of this album together. I mean, I've written two and a bit songs in maybe a year, um, which is, and two of them were very, very recently. And that's because uh, me and my partner who I write with, we we went away for a week um, to Scotland with the idea to write some music. Uh-huh. So like, yeah, I've sort of written one piece really um, that was came creating a sort of not forced songwriting environment um and that i think i found that quite disheartening for quite a long mm. time and very much felt like oh this is strange that i haven't had the haven't felt like the ability to be creative during this time of like such intense like oh, i need to send this person this and this person that and this needs sorting and this needs sorting um but yeah I think quite a lot of musicians sort of find that you're sort of in in business mode in quote marks and um yeah I think when the album comes out and it's sort of it's felt like it's you know left left me a bit more um hopefully I'll find some more space to do some more writing yeah it's I think that's fair enough and it's there's so much headspace goes into this bit that you're in at the moment and that I'm sure you've been in for a, a while of just making sure that you're doing everything you need to do because it's such a big thing, you know, when you put an album out, you've put so much work into it. You want it to have as much um, as much life and as much exposure as it possibly can. So you feel like, if you're like me, you can feel like, I haven't done enough, I'm a bit guilty if I haven't done this, I haven't done that, I haven't sent every email or responded to everything. And that's a lot of headspace in amongst all the other life stuff that's going on as well, which I guess leads me on to when you are in a period where you are being creative, 
Oh, and that's one thing to say. It is creative. Sending those emails out and yeah, selling your album is creative. You've got to find a way of doing that that makes it different to what everybody else is doing. So there's that's a bit of your yeah. creativity has been scratched, I suppose. But in a normal time, in perfect ideal time, what is a great writing day for you? What's the setup? Do you? Ooh. Yeah, um, that's a good question. You'd mentioned um, going away to write. Is that something that you've done before, or was that a new thing? So. Um, I am like a massive procrastinator when it comes to writing songs. Right. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I tend to, the way I've written in the past has been like, oh, I found this idea or this concept or this piece of folklore that I find really interesting and cool. Mm-hmm. I'll do loads of research on it for like a whole day and then I'll go, okay, cool. And then <laughs> if I've not got, you know, a guitar part floating around my head that I think possibly fits with the concept. Mm. I'll just like, I've got like a document where it just, that idea is just put into that document and it will just sit there yeah. um, until probably about six months later when I'm like, I should really write that song <laughs> that I've been like meaning to write and wanting to sort of um, put into sort of into practice in my music. But um, yeah. And then there's a sort of another side of it um Whereas I write with um, my partner, he's also a songwriter, um, Sol, and he he's very good at sort of sitting me down and being like, okay, we're going to write a song, and like he'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, he prefers to write in like a big session, like he mm-hmm. prefers to write, spend a whole day writing. Whereas I'm like, I'll do like half an hour here and half an hour there, and then it might take me a very long time to finish it. Um, so that's really interesting, and I do really enjoy co-writing with him. Um, we've got to quite a good point where if like one of us suggests an idea and the other doesn't like it, it'll just be like, nope, that's bad, in the bin, um, which I think is like a really healthy point to get to with a, yeah. with a collaborator. Because I think quite often when you initially start working with people, you're like, everyone's a bit polite, possibly, about yeah, whether yeah. they whether it sits with them or not. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to reach that point, I guess. Well, how does that fit in with being um, a couple as well? Then? Does that make that <laughs> easier or harder? Um, I think I think at this point it's easier. The fact that we're a couple makes it easier to write um, because we can be brutally honest. honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it it's also quite good because, you know, where we live together and so there's no like travel to go to a writing session but then that also might be detrimental for me because maybe I I think I do work best when I'm probably not in a space that I'm like permanently in that's interesting to go somewhere to do it yeah so I I quite like you know going booking an Airbnb somewhere and we'll go and write there for a few days um or yeah that that kind of thing mm-hmm. really sits with me and it's normally somewhere that's pretty rural and um, because I like being out in the countryside and living in Leeds is great but there's less of um I feel like being isolated when you're writing is like something that really works for me is that being away from distractions as well then yeah definitely <laughs> definitely because you know being at home it's easy to be thinking about oh got to I don't know clean the windows or do the tea or whatever but i find that stuff tricky sometimes as well it's not not i do many cleaning windows or cooking the tea but is that there's always something else at home that you should be doing even if it's just making sure the bin's brought in or whatever yeah Um, for sure 
and there's so many distractions and then it's the phones and the computers and the rest of it if you're at home it i mean you, you probably do this anyway but it's so easy to check your emails and do that stuff and particularly if you've, you mentioned you're a procrastinator anyway you can yeah. spend half an hour <laughs> looking something up and that becomes four hours and then, yeah that's great because if that's um stimulus for a song at some point that's really cool but you i suppose at some point you can look at that and go perhaps i should just be writing a song i don't know yeah yeah it is interesting i think i i definitely really love um like getting my teeth into like the research element as well like if it, i'm if i'm gonna write about a story that's you know been told for years and years and years or um it's a, there's a bit of folklore that i'm not aware of that i find really interesting and i'll just like troll mm. like the internet and resources and find as much as I can about I sort of get a like yeah I think at some point in the past I've been like a little bit obsessed with kind of everything that I've written about that's sort mm. of story based and mm. um, yeah which is, is fun I quite like that is that your preferred to write a, sto- a story based folklore thing as opposed um, to a personal experience song yeah I think so or or a personal experience song that has like undertones of elements of folklore if that makes sense mm. like i think oh i think if i write a personal song it does kind of ha- tend to have undertones of um i'm probably not explaining this very well i don't know yeah so undertones of like a story that i found to do with that place i think well yeah i guess mainly the main thing for me is pretty much all my songs in my head have like a location whether they're like story based or have a personal element to them. Interesting. So when I write a song or I'm playing one of my songs, I pitch I have like quite a strong image of a different location that I might be in. Oh, that's really interesting. Um yeah. I like that I idea. That's cool. So even as you're performing that song, you'll put yourself back in the headspace of of writing it or thinking about where it was set or whatever? Yeah, I think um, they tend to be, like most of my songs tend to be about places that I've visited um, and spent time. So that kind of, yeah, I think it te- it tends to be linked back to like a memory mm. or of me being in that location or in that space. Um, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt the conversation at this point, but I wondered if I could ask if you might possibly consider subscribing to the podcast, rating it, and writing a review on your favourite podcast provider. Doing these wonderful things encourages the all-powerful algorithms to push the podcast to new people. It's also helpful when I'm talking to potential future guests, as it shows the people are listening. Thank you. And the songs that I've heard already from the album or have read about it on the album. Um, they're story songs as well. And also, that makes perfect sense, actually, what you've just said. You're going to have to help me with some of the titles, though. You've got the song about the uh, paleontologist, Mary... Mary Anning. Mary Anning, which is this one. So that's the uh, female paleontologist... Was she paleontologist? Archaeologist? Yes, yeah, yeah, paleontologist. paleontologist. Tell us a bit about that story, then, and how you came to be writing a song about that. Yeah, so this one... Um, I guess the place that I picture myself for this one isn't maybe what you think. Um, so my the story behind Mary Anning, um, my mum, when I was um, a little girl, she used to read this book to me, um, which was called Stone Girl, Bone Girl, the story of Mary Anning. <laughs> and um, 
by Lawrence Ann Holt and it was had these beautiful illustrations by Sheila Moxley and it's this like beautifully illustrated children's book um that basically talked about Mary Anning as a as a child and um I've like really vivid memories of my mum reading this book to me Hmm. um and yeah over over lockdown I sort of revisited this book and I was doing I was like oh I you know I'd love to do some more research on Mary Anning and um, sort of realise that, you know, she was a cutting edge scientist in mm. the early 1800s um, sort of discovering things about fossils and um, evolution that was sort of way beyond her, her time. And um, unfortunately she wasn't a- able to present her findings to the geological society because she was a woman and um, it's men only in the geological society. So quite often she'd end up selling her her work to, you know, her male colleague. Wow. Um, and, you know, they say everyone at the time sort of knew that, um, you know, this is so obviously Mary's work, that kind of thing. But, you know, she never got any credit at the time for her discoveries. And um, something else that I sort of really liked about the story was um, the tongue twister. She sells seashells. Is written about Mary Anning, um, and, and, and you know, pretty much everyone is going to know that tongue twister because you learn it at primary school. But I, I didn't know that that was about Mary Anning, and I think most people don't. Right. And I just found it so interesting how this this tongue twister that's passed down and has like such like you know you learn it when you're a child and everyone yeah. knows it it's such a um a, a well-known thing has come from someone who has basically been oppressed in their field and is not known about yes um yeah. and i found that really interesting and so i wanted to include that in the song um yeah so my my like location for that song is my mum reading that book to me as a child um but yeah, and my mum, she's also a she's a geologist, so she studies rocks, not fossils. But um, yeah, so I think I see quite a few parallels between like Mary Anning and my mum from like a personal mm. sort of side of it. That's great. And so, do you need that then, if you're going to write about someone or something? Do you need to be able to find um, a parallel with yourself or someone that you know in that way? Is that useful? Um, to an extent. I think I do. Um, But the parallel could be something as simple as like, I just really love this landscape or Mm. I really love this. It it tends to be like like an emotional connection for me to a space or a place or a person. Um, So it's not necessarily linked to, you know, directly linked to my family or my um, sort of time growing up or whatever. Mm. Cool. Okay. Um, and outside of the music side of things then, what else is happening for you? So I think the last time that we, when we were gigging and stuff together, I think you were at uni still or you were just finishing uni um, and that was at Leeds? Yeah, so I I finished studying at Leeds in 2020, um, which was uh, an interesting end to my degree. Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm now um, sort of for work, 
I currently have two part-time jobs at the moment and I love them both to bits to be fair um one is in a in a bakery um selling bread which has lots of perks lots of bread Uh, perks (laughs) and um I also work in um a spice shop mixing curry packs and yeah anyone that knows me knows I absolutely love curry and um yeah they're, they're really lovely jobs to have as sort of on the side of doing the music Mm, cool and are they jobs where you're able to mm, how to put this is your head able to do songwriting stuff whilst you're doing those jobs or not so much yeah i think so i I mean generally speaking i'm i'm sort of working by myself um so i spend a lot of time like in my head thinking about you know things i need to do and song ideas and um sort of cool things that I might want to do or like collaborations that I might want to have. So mm. it's quite nice in that that respect that I have like that time when I can go to work and there is there is the time and the space sort of mentally to process stuff and um, go through ideas. Do you find, because I get this sometimes as well, that creatively but also just in general – having your mind not on the particular task can actually help sometimes. So if you're thinking about work at the bakery or or spices or whatever, or for me, sometimes it's driving or doing the washing up or something. In theory, I'm thinking about that task, but all of a sudden those little thoughts in the back of the head are like, oh, you could do this with that song. Or if you answered that email like this, that might be the right way of going about it. Whereas sitting there thinking about it kind of doesn't doesn't help sometimes. It's it's almost as if your unconscious brain needs to do some of that work for you sometimes. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Definitely, there's definitely something to be said for having like having. Ta- it's, it's the same for like go, you know, going on a walk. It's very oh, similar. Yeah. You sort of you're out. I don't know. For me, it's I walk down by the canal, and um, yeah, you just you're just walking, and it's like you think. I mean, I'm always thinking about. I'm always thinking about my music work, um, which is. Yeah, fine. But um, yeah, it's good to have that sort of, I'm not actually doing anything that's necessarily requiring me to have like a huge amount of headspace for this, but it's giving me the headspace for the creativity and the music and the emails and all sorts. Yeah. What's the hardest part with the independent musician thing then, or the the bit that is the thing you don't like as much as some of the other stuff? Because I'm guessing, like, for you, it's like so many of us, you're answering the emails, you're booking the gigs, you're thinking about demos, you're writing, you're trying to sell tickets. Is there any element of that which, if you didn't have to do it, you wouldn't do? Um, That's a good question. Hmm. I think it's maybe not... um, It's maybe not... I don't know. I don't know if this is the right answer for this question but um I yeah I find like Spotify streams quite stressful I find the whole um I think in gem and generally more in sort of more popular music and popular genres um I tend to find that people think that the like the quality of a song is equated in the number of streams that it has and I yeah, I find that sort of concept just like really uncomfortable because mm. um, I think very much in the folk scene, people are still buying CDs, buying merch, buying vinyl, which is amazing because one person buying 
my CD and listening to it on that CD for the rest of time is going to give me more money than if they were to stream my album for the rest of time. So, um, but I just find I'd have this sort of like strange, um, yeah, I think sort of self-consciousness about the fact that, yeah, I know that, you know, X number of people have bought my CD, but, you know, a song's only got a 500 streams on Spotify. And I, I, yeah, it's something that I definitely need to like let go of mm. and not worry myself with because it doesn't matter. Yeah, I know exactly what I mean. And does the rest of social media play in with that as well? So like a, a few people I've spoken to for this, and I get this, is like, even if it's your friends or whatever, but you've seen other musicians playing, oh, they've just played the most amazing gig in the world. Oh, good. Look at this tour they're doing. That's I'm very happy for them, but, you know, I should be doing that and that kind of thing. When we all know that actually everyone's just putting out the very best bits and they're all having the shitty bits as well, but maybe not talking about them. And to be honest, that was one of the reasons for starting this was to talk to people and be able to put it out there and say, yeah, they're doing well, but it's still hard, still hard work. And it's there's still bits that aren't so pleasant about it. Have you got that as well, just with social yeah, numbers again and all that stuff on social media? I think so. And I think it's, it doesn't help when, like, you know, funding applications want to know how many followers you've got. And, like, I think it's got to the point where it's, like, so ingrained with – so like, social media is your – it's, like, people's perception of, like, yeah. one being successful. And actually that's, you know, shouldn't really be the, the gauge on success. But I also find it really interesting, like, um, since sort of lockdown's eased, it's been really nice because there's quite a nice little group of folkies forming in Leeds and um, mm. it's just lovely to sort of um, catch up with folk and find find out what, what's actually happened. And quite often, you know, someone will post something and be like, oh, you know, great gig, and then I'll go and chat to them and they'll tell me all the horrible things that were said by the sound engineer do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah so like it's a it's yeah it's kind of a fantasy world social media which is quite difficult to navigate i think yeah and we all focus on the negative things in ourselves. i think and the and only see the positive things maybe that other people are putting out which is just you're so right it's why it's good to talk about it and i think from my point of view with so much stuff the pandemic actually was very leveling from that because people who i would think oh you know I wish I was gigging as much as they were. Like, that's really impressive. Like, they don't have to do anything else but gig. That's so cool. We're not having a great time <laughs> for the two years when they couldn't really do that. And you're like, well, actually, okay. Being able to do other stuff is quite handy, I suppose. It's, you know, and once you take certain things that you take for granted away, it's like with the Spotify, there'd be people who are doing amazingly well on Spotify. But if one day that's not there or gets even worse for artists and stuff, it's like, yeah, you're going to have to have some other stuff going on as well yeah yeah also in lockdown like I think I I really struggled with the fact that quite often I'd spend far too much of the day just scrolling because I didn't really have well I could have been writing songs but I was procrastinating so you know and um it's you know you're seeing people are posting like really creative stuff that they've been doing and Mm. um posting stuff that they've been you know creative I've been right I've written five songs today that kind of thing and it's like it was just quite um, quite the opposite for myself. And I think quite a lot of creatives oh, yeah. sort of couldn't feel like they could have like a creative side of things and felt that the ability to write. And um, it was quite, yeah, quite not, not upsetting, but it was just, it's just difficult when, you know, 
you look on social media and it's just the opposite of extreme of how you feel or you are in that moment. Yeah, there's a lot, you know, at the very start of the first lockdown, there was that thing going around Twitter, wasn't there? Like, well, you know, when Shakespeare was on lockdown because there was a, a plague, he wrote Hamlet or whatever it was in a week. <laughs> so I hope all these musicians are going to come out with an album when all this is done. It's like, fuck off. Because yeah. it's like... For a lot of people, especially at the beginning, like it was just such a head fuck that what was happening, just getting to tea time was enough of an achievement for a lot of the time, wasn't it? Yeah, and if you wanted to sure. do stuff, that's great. But if you didn't want to, that's fine. You know, we had so many other things that we were thinking about. And I, yeah. you know, we just got to be honest with ourselves, haven't we? And if we're feeling like it, do it. And if we're not, don't. I mean, that's where there's a, a bit of a um, – contradiction i suppose like for me something i've discovered in the past couple of years which i maybe already knew but like if i was to say to myself you're going to take an hour and you're going to sit at that guitar or that keyboard and you're just going to do stuff most of the time i'll come away with some potentially usable idea not like a whole song or whatever but there'll be something there that might spark something to come back to and that's a better use of the hour than just thinking oh, i don't really feel like it but that's different to being like, I'm going to write my symphony this week because I'm on lockdown. I don't have to go to work. It's just, I think yeah. just carving that hour every day or whatever it is. It's like exercise, isn't it? You might have some sessions of exercise that you feel shit, but it's better to have done it than not to have done anything at all, I suppose, or just to spend the afternoon thinking about it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But then also, like, I've definitely been in the situation where I've been in the moment and I'm just like, oh, this is just, this is just shit. I should just stop. <laughs> and then yeah. I have, and then it just feels even worse. So like, <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Do you get the opposite though, when you find yourself in flow sometimes and it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it for and not everything you do is great, but everything in that moment feels right and like it's just working. In fact, I was going to yeah, ask you sure. with the studio recording side of it, what was that like? What was recording like? Were, there, were you in flow as a band? It's like, yeah, every take we do is great. Or were there some where it's, why isn't this working? This should be working. What was it? It was a combination. Yeah, it was It was definitely a combination. Um, I think because we were, we were pretty well re- rehearsed, um, at that point, any sort of direction that Andy gave us, we were quite, we were sort of quite easily moldable as like a unit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think I think Andy was also very good at sort of translating translating how or like that's the wrong thing I'm gonna say. Andy was very good at sort of getting us to perform how he wanted to. Mm. And very good at sort of describing how he wanted something to sound mm-hmm. or um trying to get like the right groove for some of the tracks. Um he was just like it was just ridiculous how good he was at doing that um i mean we didn't record none of the album is to click mm. so it's it's all yeah In entirely well not entirely live there's quite a lot of overdubs but the the basic structure of the, all the songs is live um which is yeah a nice feeling that's really cool because when i've listened to the tracks that you put out already i always struggled to sort of articulate this without sounding like I don't know how people take it, but it sounds like a nice mix between being um, polished and correct, but human as well. So how? That's what I like to hear. Okay, good. So <laughs> I thought it would be, but you never know why people are responsible. How was that part of your plan? So, like, if you did a take and you know the guitar part was brilliant, but there was a bit of fret buzz at the wrong moment or whatever, it's like that's okay, we'll use that one. Or would you go back in and edit out the fret buzz? Like how? 
how prescribed yeah. are you being with stuff? So Andy was very much like, we need to get a good, let's get the right take. Yeah. And, um, you know, if there's a bit of a string scrape or, you know, something isn't quite perfect, then that's that's fine because the t- the t- getting the correct take is way more important than um, sort of little things that can be changed later. But yeah. also there's quite a, you know, Andy left quite a few like string scrapes in and um, sort of a lot more of like the natural sounding stuff that yeah. you'd get from performing that I think if he was to take out, it would remove quite a lot of the character from a lot of the songs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was all just about getting getting us to get to takes where it was like this is just like it fe- it just feels really good, like the groove feels really good, it feels really tight, it feels really nice, and like you know oh. if there are some mistakes, who cares? <laughs> like it's fine. <laughs> yeah, cool. I just sort of to, wanted to. I've wondered with you before in the past actually. Like, where do you? This is one of those big questions where you'd be like, "You should have told me that one beforehand." <laughs> where do you see yourself in the? How can I put this question? You'd mentioned before about the pop thing and Spotify and all that sort of stuff, and and that that can bother you a little bit. But obviously, you're a folk fan, and your yeah. audience is a folk audience. I would say. So, where do you sort of see yourself in in that world? Is is folk the thing, or do you have aspirations to be in a wider pop market or you're not bothered? What's the kind of thought on that? Yeah, I, I really like the folk scene. Um, I think it's great. I think people are super supportive of music and it's, yeah, it's just a really nice little scene to be in. And I really enjoy being part of the folk scene. Um, for me, like I can't really see me ever writing pop bangers as much as I wish I could, because it is definitely an incredible skill. Mm. I just can't see that being something that I'm sort of super interested in um, moving into. Um, I suppose something that I do quite like that maybe isn't, well, it's definitely expressed at times in this album, but it's not, you might not pick up on it as I, I'm quite like sort of heavier music. Mm. Um, and at, at various points in my life have been, quite a big prog fan so i could like strangely see myself doing like a really heavy album at some point or quite a an epic sounding electric guitar driven thing um yeah but i think i'm I'm pretty content in the folk scene right now for sure and do you feel as if the independent scene the with all the challenges of you know numbers and competition and the rest of it but something i've sort of come to realize particularly i suppose over the last couple of years actually is that you can kind of do what you want like there isn't anyone standing there saying no i only you can't do a prog guitar album because that's not what people are expecting like it doesn't matter you can do what you want and if if your normal audience doesn't go for it that's okay because you can do the next thing yeah that freedom i think is quite a liberating thing about this circuit i would say yeah i think so um yeah i mean uh, people have managers um for reasons to maybe say tell you you know not to not to go and do that album or you know that's gonna put you off your trajectory but I'm pretty sort of strongly independent in that side of things I quite like having the creative sort of doors open if I want to go and explore them um so yeah I think it's yeah I really enjoy being independent in that respect Mm. 
Great. Iona, that's been fantastic. Thank you so much. Could you tell us again when the album's out, the pref- the way that you would prefer people to engage with it and also where people can catch up with what you're doing as well? Yeah, so um, the album, um, which is called Halaval, is coming out on the 25th of March, um, so very, very soon. Um, and you can get it on Bandcamp. Um, that's my preferred way for people to um, consume it. But, you know, also add it to your Spotify playlists if you feel Get those streams up on Spotify, of course. Help my streams, guys. Come on. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I really appreciate if people could buy a copy. Um, and I'm also going to be touring a bit um, over the spring. Um, I'm doing an album launch gig in Leeds on the 8th of April, which would be lovely to see some people there. Um, there's going to be like an extended version of my band for a one-off show. So um, it's not to be missed. And uh, my very good friend, Katie Spencer, she is opening the evening. So very much looking forward to that. And yeah, do check out um, my website, ionalane.com for tour dates and that kind of thing. Okay, Iona, thank you so much. That's been really cool to talk to you again. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Join us next time on the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast. Until then, please subscribe, rate and review and have a look at robertlanemusic.co.uk to see the other projects I'm working on. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.